You're listening to the Private Practice Workshop Podcast. I'm your host, John Clark, helping you get more clients, make more money, and master private practice. And in this episode, I'm sitting down with my friend, John Harrison. John Harrison is a licensed mental health counselor and certified relational life therapist. He has extensive experience working with men while serving as an army officer, as a therapist at the VA hospital, and as a marriage therapist. He's a proud father of two young girls. He owns Life Made Conscious, which is a private practice located in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he's the host of the True Calling Project podcast. You can check him out at lifemadeconscious.com. In this episode, we just sat down and we kind of turned on the mic and we indulged ourselves a little bit into some kind of theoretical um, uh, discussions about therapy, what therapy is, what is the fundamental uh, role of the therapist, how do we uh, manage ourselves in in the therapy uh, room, Uh, how does that affect client outcomes, how does that affect the growth of our practice. So it's a really unique episode, very open form, um, but honestly one of my favorite conversations I've had on this show in a long time. So uh, John is just a deep thinker and a really, really, um, just a really wonderful guy. So um, you're just going to have to see for yourself. So I'm glad you're here. And without further ado, let's dive in. John Harrison, welcome back to the show. I will give you props, first of all. There's not a lot of people that have come on twice, so you must be doing something right. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on again. No pressure. Um... (laughs) If the second time is not the charm, then we'll have you on a third time. That's right. And the third time will be the charm. That's so if I'm not on a third time, I'll, I'll you'll know. Hit, right? Yeah, you'll know. If, <laughs> if I go silent and you keep, being, you know, if you email me and <laughs> to ask how it's gotcha. going. Um, yeah, maybe. That's, that's, we could do an hour on that, I'm sure. Ghosting yeah. or ghosting one's therapist. How about that? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that actually came up in conversation recently of like how little uh, or how infrequently in private practice we get a close closing session. Um, you know what I mean? I I don't know if you have different experiences or if you're more kind of, if you require that, you know, of clients, but to me, it's always like remarkable how often we don't get that or therapy just kind of ends or summer happens and the clients don't come back and we're often like, not seeing the full outcome, I guess. Yeah, I'd probably say that it's like 25% of the time I'll get a, a closing session. Sounds about right. Most of the time it's with couples. Yeah. But, you know, individuals, you know, I, I leave the door open, right? It's yeah. Like, okay, well, when you need me, come on back. And I think that's kind of implied. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't have a formal closing session unless I know that they're coming in for the last <laughs> time, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's... So, um. I, sometimes I feel like that leaves us wondering is, did we do a good job? Or that's yeah. one potential reaction, right? Is client right. didn't come back and my inclination is to interpret that somehow. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think we're we're intellectual beings in, in nature as therapists, but we're also kind of that, the, the curse and the blessing that we have is that we're sensitive. Yeah. I think a lot of times we can be oversensitive. Yeah over analytical so i don't i don't know i don't i try not to i have enough just like you i have enough going on in my life and yeah. my business to try to over analyze too many little things but and i'm human too so yeah 
It'll get you every once in a while. <laughs> of course. Yeah, for sure. You know, and part of um, what I mentioned before the show in terms of what we could talk about is you've, you have these really epic Facebook posts that just kind of pop up and it's, it's clearly like you were think you had a thought or, a, you know, um, you know, a revelation and then you hop on and share it and people really love it, myself included, but it's always something really thoughtful about like the therapy process or about dealing with fear or doubt or, you know what I mean? Or how we regard our clients. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of it comes from my uh, experience in grad school, and mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people have somewhat similar experiences where you know, you're you're entering this um, at least the idea of this profession that is uh, you know it's etheric and it's free flowing and it's like we're going to even maybe get spiritual and all this stuff <laughs> and then of course you know you you're given a very sp specific kind of uh, uh, task list of skills. Yep task list of skills to 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 do and practice and um you know a school is just analytical i mean most of it is and, yeah. and, and you, you know like anything else you you learn on the job and and you you don't learn how to do therapy until you do the therapy and and um so i think you know the kind of that residual as we get further into our our practices it's it's kind of like i just run up into a lot of internal resistance yeah you know it's like these thoughts in my head are they coming from me or are they coming from something I've been taught or something mm. I should be doing or I think that I, I have to do? And then those posts just kind of come out kind of in a, a hopefully like a like a loving rebellion to what doesn't actually have to be. Yeah. Right. It's it's our idea of what we think it should be. So it's really just yeah. a concept. And people don't heal from concepts. They heal from your presence. And that's the gist of it. That's huge. Okay. I'm going to potentially embarrass you and I'm going to read one of these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it in your voice though. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so there's two of them I, I want to read. One is about um, maybe being overly theoretical. Actually, let's start with that one. Why not? Okay. Because then the other one I want to read is about people, us over identifying with our struggle. So um, on June 23rd, <laughs> you said from my therapist friends, the last thing we should be doing is treating our clients and their problems like they are a theoretical or diagnostic concept. Not everything needs a diagnosis or an answer. Be human and listen. You're probably going through the same things too. Let's end this unintentional stigma on mental health. And yes, therapists, we contribute to it as well. Meaning, yeah, we also contribute to and unintentionally advance the stigmatization, right? What was going through your mind when you made this post or, or, and also what had happened like right before you made this post? I think most of it, when I'm, when I'm writing stuff like that, I, I, I it's, it's implied and I hope it comes through is, is that these are things that I, I'm dealing with, right? Yeah. So if I'm doubting the efficacy of my work, I'm, I get, I try to get curious about that. Like, where's yeah. that coming from? Yeah. Right. And um, so anytime that I'm struggling with maybe a difficult client, a difficult couple, um, it's probably because I'm trying to go to a place where I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, mm -hmm. you know? And I think when I wrote that post, I was dealing with some difficult couples. Yeah. And um, the, the reality is, is that I do my best work when I, I don't try to take control of the situation. It's not my marriage. Mm-hmm. It's not my life. I've got my own problems, right? I, I barely understand myself half the time. Why would I would try to understand this couple to the point where I, I think, you know, maybe in my ego mind that I can be the guy that gets them through this, 
you know, so when I let go of that, I think that I do better work and I, I think my business thrives more, mm. you know? And, um, so that post just kind of came up because I don't know, man, I, I may be like, you. Know, I have these shower moments where yeah. I'm like, this needs to be said, yeah. <laughs> you know, as I'm doing something and these thoughts come to me and I just put that one out there and, um, I'm fairly confident too. um, like with something like that, I think a lot of people resonate with that. Because perhaps we over stigmatize or pathologize when we feel either out of control in session or with a client, or we feel like we need to distance ourselves even just a couple inches, so to speak. Um, or I think I see some therapists who are so overly rigid or um, stuck in protocol treatments to the point where they can't be creative and open in session or allow themselves to be affected emotionally in session, which is, I can't, I can't imagine being, actually, I can't imagine being that client on the other end with a really unfeeling therapist, right? Who has, who has me so locked into either some protocol or, and, or some diagnosis, right? So in a way I can, I can understand, I guess, how some therapists cling maybe tightly to a diagnosis as a roadmap and or a protocol, let's say a protocol treatment as a roadmap or, and or as a way of distancing themselves just a little bit. Yeah. I, we're assessing the clients when they come in. Either we're doing it uh, purposefully and overtly or we're doing yeah. it in our minds. So, um, uh, and with the assessment, then we can kind of understand what, what, you know, approach to use or what angle to use or, or, or what bets suits our ability to help them. And I think that's just natural. Right. Mm. But, um, I think you just mentioned it and it's being on the other side of the couch. Yeah. And I think maybe, um, cause it's, you know, this has been back in June, I might've been coming out of a session with my therapist and, um, I feel very fortunate to have someone that I consider well, like one of the rock star, like really good therapists in town. Cause honestly, they're very hard. It's to gotta find. be. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's difficult yeah, to, to find and, and get in. And um, I just really appreciated her ability to stay with what I was, you know, what was going on with me, what I was trying to communicate. And mm. I just it just occurred to me, like, she didn't even do anything very profound or technically. Pro- yeah. No, not yeah. at all. Just just her just being okay with the moment. And uh, that maybe that in a combination of my work with with the couples, like I mentioned, was kind of the the the, the precipice of that post. Amazing. You also trust you you also trust in her abilities, right? To the point where, as a client, you don't feel like you need to step in and manage the process, right, or control the the session. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, yeah, that's true. You know, and then that helps because. Um, I, I have control problems, <laughs> you know, on a personal level, I just, it's just do. So I had something I know that I need to work with, letting go. And, and you know, in, like in a business sense, I think that that in some ways that can be helpful. Yeah. Um, but you know, we want to temper it down. Um, so it's, it's, it's used more as an ally than, mm-hmm. than as a detriment. And, um, you know, I can let go mm. and, or have her, sometimes I'll ask her, um, you know, can you just let me know? Yeah. If you see something that I'm thinking, she's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and that just gives me that confidence that, uh, you yeah. know, she'll be there. And she, and she, I think she's even said to me sometimes, or at one point she was like, you know, I, I just, John, I don't know. Yeah. 
and that's Sometimes okay. Sometimes that feels good to hear that. Yeah, it feels great. <laughs> it yeah. feels great. I th- I think we we grow that's up, and part of our development is we have to source a person or people in our lives that have the answers, right? It's part of natural childhood development is to look up to people who can guide and protect us. But it's also the very source of uh, childhood trauma in terms of relationships, yeah. um, that, which we all have. And um, w- when we're in the presence of someone who who can nurture and trust that we have the ability to figure it out on our own, like, oh, it's a great combination. Mm. And honestly, uh, most of us probably just didn't get a lot of that growing up, you mm-hmm. know. Unfortunately, but me, some yeah. of us probably, but, but I didn't. Potentially part of what makes us so sensitive going back to that. Yeah. That word that sure. we, you know, we have to talk about being sensitive and, or, you know, when we feel like we need some sense of control, right? It's, um, yeah, that's, it's just fascinating, right? Like, and, and again, your, your, it's like, which one came first, your belief that your therapist could help you and or her belief in herself that she's a really good therapist. Because mm-hmm. we know that, that has a lot to do with the outcomes too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of, of people actually getting somewhere in therapy. Yeah. Well, if I have that belief or that mindset, that's going to help her. It's just going to help the, the, the interaction, true. right? That's true. So, and that's not, obviously that's not, um, my job to help her, but it's going to help. So when when we're doing the work from the other side, and there and our clients are potentially um, not cognizant of their walling off, for example, what are you going to do with that? No, <laughs> right? And and something it, something that I heard, um, and a friend of mine and I were talking about this is like, ooh, how do you measure success, right, mm. as a therapist? Like, oh, what a great question. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what we're, we're wrestling with in the moment. Yeah. And then in a business sense, we're looking at the numbers, right? Yeah. But but in reality, are we really even in control of the results? Great question. Right, so Largely what are we actually no. in control <laughs> Yeah. Largely, no, we're not, right? So yeah. we're in control of... We're in control of very little, but at the same time, we're in control of something that's that's like... You know, it's it's quality over quantity. You're in control of you and your ability to maintain your presence within the session. And that's probably got the most bang for the buck in, in any direction you want to look. Absolutely. Potentially what the therapist is controlling is is the, the given moment um, in the session. Yeah, right. Yeah, so um, let's you we could look at this like, Moment to moment, oh, I'm having a bad day. I didn't sleep well. You know, my yeah. kid got up a lot during the night. I'm tired. Oh my gosh, what's this client gonna think that yeah. I'm like zoning out, right? Yeah. And then sometimes those then are I'm your best sessions, moment, which is funny. I've had that too, and not not to take yeah. us off, but I've I've had one of those moments where I showed up to to work and I had a full day in private practice, and I went, oh gosh, I'm so tired i had no sleep or you know something happened at home or whatever and i'm just gonna be so out of it and then the clients do amazing work and i feel like i'm sucking so hard yeah (laughs) and then they're like that was an amazing session and i'm like what (laughs) that was me checking my own importance too right which is that like yeah or me stepping back and going oh shoot maybe i do maybe i talk a little too much right or maybe with this client i control the process a little too much 
Yeah. That, that was like astounding. I remember the first time that happened, that was astounding. I was like, whoa, what is this process? And and maybe I don't need to put so much pressure on myself to show up and deliver and be this, you know, this 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 mighty therapist in the therapist chair um, who needs to to kind of know it all or at least know some stuff or create a mind blowing experience. It's like, no, that's that's yeah, not, I know. No really asking that of me. I, I yeah, I really like that, and and um, that just it, when I'm in that that place, everything benefits. You know, the session, of course. But also my business too, because I'm not in this place where I'm trying to like manipulate or or control the results that I was never in control of to begin with. Mm. Because in the nature of, of practice, you know, you're gonna have ups and downs. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then if we try to figure out exactly why and then maybe over implement too much, like of a corrective measure, mm-hmm. we can kind of screw ourselves over. Like, you know, for example, so when when Matt was doing my um my uh, SEO work and my copy overhaul on my website. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, look, it's really important that you don't go back in and try to like revamp everything like two weeks. <laughs> don't go tinker you know with I mean? it. Don't go screw it all. Yeah, up. don't. Yeah. You, don't, you, don't, you don't need to. And I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I, I kind of tend to do that. So I've left it alone for like eight months, and the results have been really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a real parallel. That's a real yeah, parallel then, because our tendency is to do too much, or when we get anxious, we tinker." Yeah, this is huge. And this is like a lesson that I've been teaching and like drilling into my the therapist that I work with and my students is like, you really need to set things up and stop tinkering, right? Anytime you have, you know, a bad week or a bad day or a bunch of cancellations and then therapists just scramble and start changing things. And when you do that over and over again, you never know what works right? You never know what's actually producing an outcome in your business in that case. Um, and it's kind of the same in therapy, I guess. And again, we're, this is a unique episode in that we're talking largely about therapy, but it's, right. half, you know, it's, it's a business podcast, but it really is like at the heart of it, our product and our offering is therapy. Our product and our offering is 50 minutes or however many minutes in a room with you. And that's really arbitrary. And also a lot of your client outcomes has to do with your belief in your ability to facilitate an experience and to let's say not tinker too much with the session or with the client. Right. Um, and that's the hardest thing for us to do, right? Cause we don't feel useful. We don't feel like we're getting somewhere. We don't feel like productive even. Right. It's like, if I didn't say a whole lot in a session, you know, or if I said like your therapist said, I, John, I don't know. Gosh, I don't feel like I'm working very hard. I don't feel like I'm earning my fee, you know? I've I've heard that too, like therapists, you know, going, oh, I don't feel like I earned my fee that hour. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah, what does it? That's it's so weird to think about. I, I know we've all had those thoughts. <laughs> but what do you do when you have a client who doesn't give you the type of feedback that you would see yeah. come back to you like, hey, that I'm doing a good job? Because yeah, yeah. you'll have those clients. Yeah, I really rocked it but this I, session. <laughs> right, right. You know, there's tears flowing, and yeah, yeah. You know, you know, they're having like, oh, it's the greatest thing I've ever heard. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, like, yeah. So you may not get those statements or those tears. Yeah. But I tell you, I, I've had, um, I've had a couple people contact me months and even years later, who I didn't know if I actually helped, and they said, you know, I Amazing. really appreciated your time with me. Amazing. So powerful. It really is. I remember the first time 
yeah, I was a graduate student. I was being supervised by this professor. And I remember the first time I feel like I really screwed up in a therapy session. It was a, it was a one session kind of deal. It's a young college student. She was really angry and I worked too hard in that first session and she never came back. And I was devastated, absolutely devastated. And I wanted to like call the client, you know, and like get her back and show her I can do better and all this stuff. And I just felt awful. And I felt like, wow, what if she never goes back to therapy at all? Because I was the first therapist she'd ever seen. And my professor just so confidently and so like warmly said to me, John, you just don't know the effect of that session. And perhaps maybe what you did is you just cracked that door open even just like a half inch. And that, that might be all that that, that, that that client was kind of ready for right now. And it was really hard to trust that at the time. But in fact, I've really learned to trust that now. And in fact, this week, I was giving advice to one of my coaching clients who had a similar experience of a couple who came and then suddenly never came back. And I gave her the same exact advice. I said, you just don't know. I said, you might have just cracked the door open for them. And that, that kind of has to be enough for now. I agree. I yeah. think that sometimes, particularly with couples, when they leave... It's, it's because there's been a shift. Yeah. And I've had couples not come back and I've had, I've had them contact me, at least one of the partners a couple, you know, a year or two later and say, Hey, you I had one couple in particular. She said, you, our sessions got my husband into alcohol treatment mm. inpatient. And I went to go work on my codependency yeah. inpatient. Amazing. You know, and at the time I was like, oh crap, I just lost clients. You know, from that's my how perspective, we see it. It's like, oh shit, you know. <laughs> that's but the, that's, we, yeah. It's only part of the picture. Well, that's, that's how binary we get in private practice because we're so dependent on our caseload that we only see our caseload as I'm either gaining clients or losing clients. Right. Or even the idea of losing clients is kind of, there's, that's kind of a flawed idea in itself, right? Right. If a client gets everything they need in one session, who's to say that that isn't the right number of sessions for them? We don't yeah. like it. <laughs> it's not good for our business, you know. Um, yeah. But who's to say that's but, not exactly what you were hired to do or what they hired right. you to so, do? Exactly, yeah. So then we're, we're letting go of our ideas, of our concepts of what it should look like. And we're trusting into an overall process that we're really not in control of. Mm. You know, and, and, and that's where you find the peace to be able to sit still in session and to be centered. And it's that centeredness that really helps the other person. Some high level shit right here. Yeah. It would you, <laughs> I think so too, but you can't you can't describe that in words, right? So it's like how do you yeah, teach that? How do you teach school? that? Yeah, I was gonna you say don't. <laughs> you don't. Hey, we're gonna send you through a course that's gonna be how do you believe in yourself? Right? A course that doesn't exist. <laughs> It's, an it's a lifelong course. process. It's optional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one would ever take it. Like, no uh, one would ever no. take it. Yeah. <laughs> but I but I do think I do think that getting your own therapy and I I think I've had three therapists in the last like ten years. Mm -hmm. And I've been going on and off for a couple like I'll go for a year or two and I'll stop and I'll go back. It's been so helpful. I, it's been so helpful. I would be extremely hesitant to go to a therapist who hasn't been to therapy. Yeah. And I feel pretty strongly about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we've talked about this in the past. Yeah. We've somehow we conversed on this and I totally agree with it because once you've, once you've been on the other side and you've gone through your own therapy, 
you see things in a whole different way. Of course. And All you're trusting time. someone. Yeah. Mm. And I, like I was telling, I have a, I have a supervisor right now. I'm getting certified in a, another, another uh, form of therapy. And he, he made a statement and, um, but it was very heartfelt. And he said, you know, I, I'm, I'm just learning too. Yeah. And, and I said to him, you know, if I was going to a supervisor who thought they had, had learned it all, I, I would change supervisors. 100%. Because it's not realistic, you know, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate your honesty and your candor. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I get so much mm-hmm. from working with you. And he's an amazing guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, I'd have him as my own therapist if he weren't my supervisor. He's just yeah. incredible. It's probably a pretty, you know, there's all this talk about like, well, this is a conundrum, honestly, of how to find a therapist. And I just had someone reach out recently. You know, it's like every couple of months you get a friend or a relative or someone who reaches out to you and they go, John, I know you're a therapist and we're looking for a therapist. How do you find one? Right. And let's say they're on the other side of the country or whatever. It's still a bit of a conundrum, right? Even if you pull up, you know, obviously I'm a I'm kind of a website guy, so to speak. But even if you pull up, you know, 20 websites and pick the best one or the, you know, the one that seems the best, it's still a bit of a gamble. That therapist could not only not be helpful, but that could really screw you up, actually. A bad therapy experience could really screw you up. So the, the, even the yeah. process itself of finding a therapist is still, I think, really a problematic. I think clients don't know what to look for in a therapist. But But what got me saying this is this idea of like, a therapist who kind of isn't doing too much <laughs> is, or even on an initial phone call with them who doesn't do too much or try to solve all your problems or do any kind of flashy therapy tricks is probably a good, a decent sign or potential indicator. That it's probably a good therapist or a trustworthy therapist, right? On the other hand, if you find one who has a bit of a Messiah complex and, you know, wants to be in control of you and your life or your problems or is overly, you know what I mean? Overly kind of um, controlling of, the sessions and I've had therapists like that, then that might not be very good. Potentially. Um, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. I, I mean, I agree with that in general. I, it's funny because when you said the Messiah complex, I had a therapist who actually really helped me a lot. But as I started to get better, I started to notice the things about him. I didn't like, yeah, <laughs> it was really strange. Like he was helping me kind of understand why I, didn't really resonate with him as much anymore. And uh, he was very attached to his set of ways. He was a psychologist Mm. and he'd been in practice for, gosh, I mean, like Mm. going on 40 years. Um, But that's fine. You know, it it was, it it was still a good uh, experience for me and he's still a fine guy. But as I go to look for a different therapist and I did, I was looking for something different. Yep. You know, so yeah. every experience that we have in some ways is beneficial, I think, even if we're seeing it in the moment or not, right? Which goes back to the thing you said about, you know, as a therapist, yeah. gosh, I mean, you know, are we, are we one to judge a, a client's, you know, experience with us or is that better left to the client, right? And Great I think question. the answer is, yeah, it's probably better left to them. Just to throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into it. I, I have also been in a situation where a client comes and they're so deeply depressed that I need to take a much more active stance and in a sense either give them advice or tell them what to do, 
right? So, I I mean, I've been in that situation where I say, you know, you need to change your diet. You need to, you know, quit drinking for the next 30 days. You need to work out four times this week. You can do 30 minutes of cardio four times before I see you again, right? And getting as specific as that, being like, you know, sometimes you know, if a client's in that situation, it's like, I just need to kickstart this process. I need to kickstart this person's biology in a way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm not a dietitian or an exercise, you know, a physical therapist, but I need like, I need more than just this 50 minutes to help kickstart this person through their depression. And sometimes yep. I need to take more of an active stance, right? Or if you have a client who's overly quiet and just sitting there and so lost in their depression that you can like see it in their eyes, they're like glossed over. Well, just sitting and being with that person, I don't know if that's enough sometimes, you know? Yeah, I don't think that it is. And and it's interesting. I like what you're bringing up here because I don't think that being present has to be completely still. That's a good point. A right, good point. so we're, we're just picking up on the reality of the moment. Okay, so what is reality? Hey, if this guy, at least in my best estimation, doesn't change his lifestyle, he's going to continue to feel depressed if not get Correct. worse and worse. So, you know, you might... You know, you're 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 still reaching out in a way that just doesn't have like, hey, look, I, this is you, this isn't me. But you know what I would do is this, and I know it's going to be tough. As you approach these 30 minutes of cardio, every last fiber in your being is going to say, "Don't do it." And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, I just want you to try, even if yeah. get on the treadmill. Mm. You know, and so you're still being present with them because the reality is, is that within this greater reality that they can get out of their depression and you believe that they can, mm-hmm. their part of reality is like, holy shit, I can barely get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of just aware of all of it in the same moment. And But I, yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes you just have to be real proactive. Sometimes, and in that case, it is a little bit like taking over for a client, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going, I can't even get out of bed. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we're going to get you out of bed or how you're going to have a friend come over and wake you up tomorrow morning. Like, Gosh, sometimes that's what that's what a person needs. Now, do they need that level of management, you know, once they're through the worst part of the depression? No, probably not. And that's where uh, again, there's I, I have had a therapist who delighted in telling me what to do around every corner. Um I think to the point of my detriment because and this is what we're all warned about in graduate school, I became dependent on him. Mm-hmm. Anytime shit hit the fan in my life, I went, I need I need to go see him. I need to go, you know, it's like, you know, I need to go see him. I need to present my situation to him and have him kind of work it out and tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. That's a, it's a really easy uh, relationship kind of bind to get into is the dependency. And, it, and it's a lot of times I think it's very subtle. Like it, it, we don't oh, yeah. notice that it's happening. Yeah. But um, when a therapist sees that, and can give it back to the client. And they're just they're just giving them love. They're saying like, hey, I trust you that you can do this this time. Like, you don't need to see me tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to keep to our regular scheduled appointment. And if, should something get really bad, then yeah, reach out to me. Yeah. But, you know, and, and we're giving them something that they're not owning in the moment, which is a trust and belief in themselves, which honestly, this isn't much different than parenting your kid. Mm-hmm. If you have children yeah. and you're parenting them, you weren't doing things for them because we know what that looks like as the child grows up, if the parent does everything for them. Um, but at the same time, we're still being attentive and present with them. We're acknowledging the reality that they're feeling and we're saying, and we believe that you can do this. 
100%. So it's guidance. Yeah, it's guidance and unconditional love. You're and, creating um, an environment where they can thrive versus yeah. you are taking control of their life in every step. And you're exactly, and you're you're just believing in the what they can be because they're not able to do it right now, right? They're just looking at they're just looking at you like, hey, John, I need to come see you because I'm in a bad way, and you're like, no, I kind of see the big picture in this. Mm-hmm. And if you give them that faith and belief back, now that might they might have a little pushback with that, but it, overall you're doing the right thing and you're still being present with them by giving them that directive. hundred percent. You know, and that, that's what a lot of us need. We need, we needed good parents growing up mm-hmm. with guidance and, and a good healthy set of boundaries. And a lot of us, you know, we just didn't get it and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but a therapist can come in and step in and help us learn those boundaries. And, mm-hmm. and to your point, like sometimes it's by being very, hands off and patient and still and sometimes it's definitely about being more proactive because mm. a lot of us you know a lot most of us need a kick in the ass sometimes sometimes i know i do i need yeah. one every every thursday at four thirty at least <laughs> i go see my therapist <laughs> okay <laughs> or my business coach or whoever yeah my, my martial yeah. arts instructor quite oh, li- man, quite literal kick in the people. ass actually i do yeah. i surround myself with people like who are you know, I'm going to keep you on my toes. Um, John, this has been a blast as always. And again, it's a, it's a really unique episode. Um, if I had a hundred hours working hours in the week, I'd do a whole nother podcast. that was kind of like this, you know, just going yeah. deep into the process of therapy, the experience of therapy, the experience of the therapist. Um, I just love all this stuff. It just brings me back to grad school days. And I think maybe sometimes or even private practice, we, we're you, we can get really busy with the business stuff that we yeah. don't attend to this part of the process. And it's different from just going and let's say getting an EMD, going through EMDR training and just sitting there and being an, a, a passive participant or something, or like, you know what I mean? Just going to a training and then going back to your office and doing more therapy versus like really examining what you think and believe and feel about the therapy process and your life and how you fit in and what is my role. Like, I just love all this stuff, you know? I feel like it's, I it's too. training in a way and maybe overlooked. It, it, I think it's it's super necessary. And and um, I, don't, I don't know if it still goes on in some universities, but I th- it used to be a requirement that you had to get your own therapy yeah. yeah, as you went through your training. And that's not a, a thing for, I think, most institutions anymore. Right, but. right. It, it was for us. We also did a like an interpersonal process group with each other, which was super, which was very rich. It was totally open to it, so we were all f- totally freaked out when we had to do it. <laughs> and then months later, we're all like going deep with it, you know. <laughs> I know. Did Did you guys get really close? Yeah, yeah, extremely. I bet close. you did. Yeah, yeah. I it bet was you like did. Unbelievably close. Um, but it was great. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's way better than anything I learned in a book, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool, man. Yeah, yeah I feel lucky that is just, to have that. that that that's so cool. Uh, I want to say one more thing on that. I, I I used to when I was in the military and uh, made a bunch of really good friends over the years. And the the reason you make good friends and something like that, and I used to be an EMS uh, a guy, it, oh, it, is because you're dealing with yeah, you're dealing with extremely hard stuff. Yeah. So you're doing it like an interpersonal process, uh, you know, experience with a group of people, and you do it consistently. Mm. Or like gestalt training and stuff like that. Like you'll make really good friends. You'll make really good relationships. Hundred percent. Because the stuff is so it's so tough, and that's how we bond. But anyway, mm. 
We're going to have to do another hour about that. I don't know if I ever told you I was a paramedic as well. I heard on one of your episodes that you yeah. were. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, and I, um, I, yeah, so I remember you saying that. Yeah. Well, in, in people, so I did uh, man, uh, I did a tiny bit of research around this when I was in graduate school. And, and the number one coping method of, of EMS providers and first responders is, is just sharing their experiences with one another, just talking about what happened. Um, no, yeah. we don't always talk about it in the healthiest of ways, right? Or there's, you know, sometimes we diminish it or use too much humor or whatever to make light of seeing horrific things. But it is true that um, in general, our inclination is to kind of share about what happened and it brings people incredibly close. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. It, it does. Yeah. Well, well, next time we talk, um, wherever or whenever that might be, I yeah. want to hear more about it. Yeah, well, you just you just secured a, a round three for sure. Hey, <laughs> oh, just kidding. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> if you had one piece of advice for every therapist, John, what would it be? No pressure. Yeah, the the million dollar question. I really do think it's getting into your own process. Um, therapy is. I would recommend that. But I do think you can learn from different people. Like I know your array of guides and coaches that you have. Like those can be just as helpful. Mm. And just yeah. having someone to kind of, I mean, just help you shift up your the ways that you conceptualize yourself and and potentially your work. It's just it was it's probably been my number one because it's the catalyst to everything else. But been my number one. Um, thing that I've done for myself in terms of my therapy work and my business and my growth and just everything. Love it. Simple, but powerful. John, thanks again for being here, man. It's always good to see you and, um, and, uh, you'll hear from me very soon when we invite you back. You too, man. I always a great time talking with you, man. So I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. All right. See you, man. I hope you enjoyed this episode and this conversation as much as I did. If you need any help at all in your private practice, all you have to do is go to privatepracticeworkshop.com. I've got a lot of free stuff there for you. And right now I have a free training on how to get new clients consistently. So go to privatepracticeworkshop.com, scroll down, find the little section about fully booked, and then click on that button to learn more and uh, and get the free training. So head there and do that now. Um, otherwise, I need you to do me a favor and help grow this show. It's really up to you guys. So what I want you to do is after you've finished listening to this episode, which is pretty much right now, um, I want you to share your favorite episode with like three or four therapists. Just go to wherever you're listening, click, you know, share, copy link, and then just send that link to a few therapist friends. That's all you have to do in exchange for listening to this show. It's completely free. It's meant to be that way, um, but you guys got to help me grow it. So that's that's my request for you this week. Um, otherwise, I hope you guys have a great week. I appreciate you being here as always, and I'll see you really soon. Cheers. Cheers.